All right, everybody. Welcome to the second live stream Q&A with myself and Alexander. We're so help happy to have you guys here. There's the man. Mm. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Relaxing on his couch this time. <laughs> Let's see if I can get my screen back up. For some reason I've only got you in screen now. There I am. Okay. All right. So this this episode is actually going to be reflecting on ep, ap, oh, episode fifty eight, which was understanding the multiple perspectives of conflict. And if once we go through that, if anybody has any questions on any other subjects, please feel free to ask at any point in time. So this episode focused around uh, a trauma between two or more people and uh, us taking a look at the different perspectives of that trauma. Because I think the mainstream or, or somebody, we've been kind of uh, conditioned to uh, when something happens to us that it's almost like central around us and it's something that happened to us and none of it is our fault. And, and I think that's, the pers that's one of the perspectives that we were taking a look at is um, the perspective of, of you, but also the other person on the other end. What were they going through? And what perspectives, you know, should you consider if you are looking for an overall energetic wellness point of view? And so, Alexander, the first question I wanted to ask as we get into our discussion tonight is let's first define trauma. Because in the podcast episode, we talked about how it's, it's another one of those loaded uh, words like love. Mm -hmm. So let's first define uh, what you mean when, when we're talking about trauma. Yes, and of course, uh, this is just a clear up for this talk and talking on this platform um, because these words that are this this powerful or as powerful as trauma or love or words like that, uh, we want to give everybody the respect that they deserve to that it can mean different things for different people. What the perspective that I'm coming from is. Trauma is anything that you experience to where you can't uh, fully comprehend it. It's something that, like even when you talk about it or try to describe it, it's still hard to feel like you can um, express it. Um, and so, so a person feels uh, misunderstood or not understood at all. Uh, many times around the trauma and the more that people try to relate sometimes the worse it can isolate that person so uh, we're going to be coming from that perspective of trauma being an experience that uh, someone couldn't just make peace with and completely understand and comprehend especially on all the five levels but but mainly the mental one I think is one of the main ones and that's the one that perpetuates you know weakening the the emotions and the energetic field and then eventually the physical body as well so i think that's just a good place to start and as we're getting into this conversation why is it important to consider everybody who's involved their perspective you know when you're looking at a situation and i don't want to say trying to find blame but trying to to find a way to heal from the situation well, yes, this is another important aspect is that everybody has 
um, different experiences, and many times those experiences are dictated by their uh, design or what we talk about with the human design or the uh, destiny card system. These systems help us to understand certain aspects about ourselves, and one of the main aspects is how we respond to our environment. So many times when you talk to siblings that were maybe raised by the same two parents uh, within the same time frames, if you talk to them long enough, you will start to hear like completely different stories about who their parents were and what they represented. And it's it used to really confuse me. Uh, I didn't understand that. And, and I've got three siblings that I'm separated by 13 years. So those three were within, uh, I think, five years of each other, the oldest and the youngest. So, so they grew up basically at the same time. But when anyone talks to any three of them, they'll get a completely different answer about like what our parents were like and what their, um, their time growing up was like. And that breaks down to these different designs. So, so traumas are very similar. What's traumatic for one person could not be traumatic at all for another person. And this creates a lot of confusion. And I think understanding those aspects about us ourselves that many people don't know um, we call it on the subtle energy level it really helps to to dissect and to understand how the environment when you were born and raised in how that uh, you know truly affected you and aided some of these so-called traumas or set up the scene for those traumas to happen yeah I know from my personal experience uh, me being a three of diamonds birth card and my older sister also being a, th actually, she's a three, uh, double three of diamonds as a Leo. Right. And my younger sister, I think she's like a queen of clubs. I know that from my childhood, my parents argued about money a lot. And I remember lying in bed thinking and worrying about <laughs> they don't have enough money, or at least that's what it seemed to me because that's what they right. were always arguing about. So, mm -hmm. so I remember just like taking on that worry as I'm lying in bed, probably like a seven or eight year old. Yes. I don't think that my younger sister took on that particular piece of trauma. She may, I think maybe she took on something else, you know, also mm -hmm. probably the, the age and the order um, at the time probably, uh, played in a factor as well, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, the the ages uh, while that event is going on is going to play, you know, uh, certainly play a role in birth order as well. Because uh, typically the firstborn takes more of the father's traits, secondborn is mother, thirdborn father, and then fourthborn mother. And but you ha do have to mix in uh, miscarriages in that as well. So uh, so this really helps us to break down and. You know, from my standpoint, understand and carry compassion for our siblings because many siblings um, don't get along very well. And uh, normally that's a power struggle of trying to get attention throughout, you know, their life of growing up. And it's just not normally resolved even in adulthood. So when I see siblings that really get along well and really enjoy being around each other, that's something that I feel is, is pretty special. And if we bring in the human design now to also touch upon this conversation, what would be the difference between like a generator, manifesting generator, manifester, projector, and reflector 
as far as how they would absorb some of this trauma from a childhood? Well, uh, you know, just going on these uh, generalities, the normally the most affected is going to be the uh, the projectors and the reflectors, because um, typically they have the most, and not always, but they have the most um, energy centers that are white or um, vulnerable, if you will, or empathic. And so that's just kind of in general. We'll start there that. When you get your human design chart uh, generated, which we can help you with that, you see certain energy centers that you have activated that you're putting energy out into the world. And we have a total of nine, and these are also called chakras. And then we have them uh, ones that are white that shows an empathic nature. And so the more white that you have, and if it's around the emotions of the heart, then you're going to be very sensitive to uh, aggression in your environment and people that have a lot filled in they're not going to absorb very much so typically generators do the best in uh, harsh type of environments and like I said projectors and reflectors are the most vulnerable manifesting generators are a little more sensitive typically than just typical generators and manifestors um, they can be as sensitive as uh, projectors uh, many, many times because a lot of manifestors don't have a lot of um, centers filled in. And also with manifestors, they are busy creating what they're thinking. And so when they're in a negative environment and they're maybe talking to a sibling or someone and talking about how bad it's making them feel, then it can just uh, – get worse and worse and worse so uh, so these factors are very important and very helpful to know uh, because we need to start all healing typically starts with acceptance and for me having extra information or all the information that I can have helps me work toward acceptance so I know we just got started and people are still coming in I we did want to uh, make a point to ask three questions for everybody out there listening. Uh, if anybody wants to participate again, we're always open for, for any type of questions at any point in time. If you just want to leave them in the Facebook chat, if that's where you are on YouTube, or if you're in our zoom, you can leave it in the chat. Um, so we wanted to name three things for you guys to think about as we're going through this, this discussion to see if anything, jogs a, a question or a memory even that you want to share and just jot down. So the first one was, um, as we go through this in the podcast episode, we talked about a sort of parent child relationship in, in, uh, discussing the multiple perspectives of a possible childhood trauma from that, from that parent onto that child. But if we have time, I would like to extend that, or even transition to uh, a different type of trauma. So if anybody has any suggestions that they kind of want to see how it would play out, um, we can offer Alexander a, a new type of situation that instead of continuing to discuss the parent-child uh, where the child had the trauma, if anybody else has a different scenario. So that was the first one. The second would be, as we're going through this, we will touch upon forgiveness and I wanted uh, people out there to take some time 
while you're while you're here and we're gonna we're gonna try to have a couple breaks in between in case people need to use the restroom or just you know stretch and maybe do a few yoga poses mm -hmm. get a drink um alexander may play us a tune <laughs> i'm not sure i don't know if he has any instruments around him uh but i wanted people to just take a moment and think about forgiveness and if there's anybody or any situation on their mind that they've been that they've gone through and maybe it's coming up through all this quarantine now that you know as alexander has discussed a lot of grief is being brought to the surface and so anything that maybe you guys want to release tonight and if you want to do it quietly on your own that's awesome if you want to just send us a, a, a comment uh, about what you want to release and i can read it on air if you guys are not shy about that and if you don't want your name you know just put in like parentheses don't say name or something like that um so definitely uh, would like to stimulate some participation and the third one um alexander wanted to know if there was one emotion that you guys have been struggling with during this this quarantine this isolation and if there's been like one dominant emotion, what have you done um, to try to cope with it? Have you practiced any of the just philosophy and, and how's it going with it? <laughs> are you coping? Are you managing it? Are you processing it? Or are you having trouble? And, and possibly that would stimulate more questions to be asked that we can direct to Alexander. Yes, and we want everyone to know that we welcome your interaction. Um, anybody that's comfortable with, you know, with coming on screen, um, even if it's just audio, uh, we can respect uh, if you don't want the video or if you want the video and audio, feel free to. Um, but we, uh, this whole platform is for more of an interaction experience. So send Aaron the, the questions and, um, and let him know if you – are willing to be invited in and he'll manage all that on his side. So as we continue the conversation that was on the podcast with that parent child relationship, uh, Alexander, you brought up a good point about how if, if we don't become conscious as we grow up and then become parents, then we're more likely to, continue the ways of how we were raised, whether we liked it or not, that's kind of how we were trained. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's part of entrainment and, um, you know, I've seen so many people, um, say I'm not like my dad or I'm not like my mom and then turn around and do something within a few minutes, uh, almost exactly, uh, like that parent. And so, uh, it catches up with you. I really see it sneaking in in depth around the 60s when the 60s start to come in sometimes the late 50s but um but it really starts to seep in at that time and so many people run from it their whole lives and then wind up being <laughs> exactly what they've they're running from but there is a way to change that and that is through conscious development and working on the self and breaking these family lineage habits and um and patterns that we've we've picked up and we've been entrained with and we don't have to get into right and wrong and good and bad. The, the judgment just isn't necessary because it was just an entrainment. It was the environment that you were in. It was basically that you were taught a survival mechanism 
and then we weren't taught to set the survival mechanism to the side at some point and develop something different. So this is where one of the teachings of the philosophy comes in to, you know, leaning into the friction or doing what's challenging many times gives you results that are most fulfilling. So uh, so those are, you know, uh, important, I think, perspectives moving forward in this uh, tonight. And I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to experience of that. But I have, and sorry, Dad, if you're out there listening. Um, <laughs> I have real, I have, well, recently I've started seeing my dad in me, like in my, in my physical, but also when I walk unconsciously, I tend to walk heavy and, mm-hmm. and which is how my dad would walk <laughs> around the house. So <laughs> I, I catch myself sometimes and I'm like, why am I walking so heavy? Like unconsciously. <laughs> yes. Is it, are these something, some things that only happen in the unconscious? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, some people are, uh, you know, carried that with pride. Like I have a brother that, um, you know, most people say that he's most like my dad. And when he hears that, it really lights him up and it makes him feel special and important. Um, so, so, you know, it's not always things that people are trying to get away from. Sometimes it's endearing. And it just really comes down to, once again, not about the judgment of it, whether it's right or wrong or whether we should have those um, patterns or not. It just comes down to whether someone sees that it's benefiting their life or it's uh, negating something in their life. And if it's negating something, then it may be worth, you know, shifting or changing. Um and uh, I think the one of the biggest parts is just becoming aware of it and, you know, being aware that our bodies do these certain patterns, yes, on this subconscious level, and we've just picked it up like uh, like a habit, basically. And with just a little bit of consciousness and time, uh, you know, you can retrain just about um, anything on the physical on the physical level. And I guess if you if you become aware of it, then you have the choice whether to continue doing it or not. And, and yes, you, I mean, but, like you said, you may not want to. Yeah. That awareness is just the first step. Uh, but most people normally aren't aware. And then when somebody else points it out, many times they'll get defensive cause people typically get defensive over things that are pointed out to them, especially if they're not aware of it. Yeah. So we have our first release comment from a listener from uh, Claire or Elizabeth Claire, as her name is, I'd like to release my attachment to being the victim of my past trauma. Mm -hmm. So thank you for, for releasing that with us tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing uh, Claire. And that's, uh, that's extremely powerful and important. And uh, many of us have like a story and, we tell the story so much uh, to ourselves and to others that it becomes uh, something dominant in our present. And letting go of that many times, uh, just from a general standpoint, is is challenging because sometimes it's part of people's identity. And part of this waking up process, part of the self-development process is uh, making – peace with the unknown and truly seeing that you're you're basically dismantling yourself 
and I call it just getting rid of the things that you picked up um, for the first, uh, you know, 30 or 35, 40, 50 years of your life and setting those down and just picking up a new set of tools. And then in 10 more years, then you will have your tool case will be extremely expanded because things that you've been doing your whole life, uh, you're not going to need to practice them very much. It's like kind of like riding a bike. You'll pick those up um, very easily. And most people do in like emotional reactions. They'll, they'll revert to those, uh, those actions or those scenarios. So, you know, it, first of all, I applaud anybody that's working on this type of work and seeing that it's not so important to stay attached to who we think we are or who we have been. You know, um, there's not much that I'm embarrassed of truly in my life, and I certainly haven't lived the life of a saint, but, you know, I can certainly go and talk about certain points of my life and kind of laugh about it or create a laugh about it and things that I was very, was very important to me and I felt like I needed to defend, (laughs) say, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Um, is of course just silly now. So, so, you know, that's why I say it's, it's nice to, to consider not to make anything too firm in your life. And that's why there's really not much of anything that's, that's worth truly fighting about or truly forcefully pushing your way on someone else. Because in six months or a year or a few years down the road, you could feel very different than you do right now. And I think that's important for everyone to see as they're shifting and changing to take this stuff a little bit more lightheartedly than maybe it comes across. Um, that, yes, it is serious, you know, wanting to end these aspects of us or wanting to, to merge them with other aspects. But we need to be able to laugh at ourselves and not um, be overly serious. And I say that from being very guilty of being overly serious and I think uh, for a long time I, w- I was guilty of looking for a reward or end, and um, that just uh, really doesn't seem to exist. And so, uh, so just creating the work at a pace to where you feel like you can do it for the rest of your life rather than trying to work so hard and do so much uh, for a certain amount of time I think is important. But, um, but letting go of our stories and letting go of who we used to be, and this is another beautiful part about the Destiny card system because typically it gives you two different cards. It gives you a personality card and then kind of like a life purpose or life direction card. And uh, for a few people, they're the same, like all Leos is the same as Aaron's sister is. And But it, it can give you a view into like what is truly your personality and then what you – kind of need to shift and change to step into that higher vibration and many people don't know that uh, so so these tools they're not necessary they're just they're useful and uh, they can be playful and fun as well and they create a language and that's what we're developing in this community is basically just creating a tribe to where we talk about what our human design profile and type is and what our cards are and see and that helps people to understand us instantly rather than just saying meeting someone and saying hi I'm Alexander and I do this kind of job that's what people typically do and this just right off the bat gives us an opportunity as a community to 
embrace each other's differences and understand each other at a deeper level right off the bat. So I wanted to bring up something kind of fun and just take a break from this serious uh, trauma stuff. So something that happened to me today, I'm mowing the lawn and I guess I accidentally mowed a snake over because as I'm going by, I see this like jumbled thing and I saw it and there was a snake. So I, I accidentally killed a snake. Some people will probably cheer. Some people probably won't. <laughs> I, I was kind of taken back because I'm like, man, I, you know, what a, I, didn't, I had no idea it was there. I, I let my part of my land, the grass got too high, so I couldn't see and it kept the moisture there. So I think that's why it was there. But so I had a question for you. Um, if I was asking you what that meant as far as from a, like an animal spirit type of thing that I accidentally killed a snake. Cause I know like I can look up uh, what a snake means you mm-hmm. know, in animal spirit, but the fact that I killed it and you helped me before with this, when I accidentally ran over a rabbit, you know, mm-hmm. and I was kind of traumatized from that. So I wanted to get your opinion on that. Right. Well, this was a nice, playful little break. Um, so yeah, normally, you know, snake is connected to transformation. Um, you can think of shedding the skin. So letting go of what doesn't serve you. And so anytime death is connected, um, I like to suggest to look at what are you doing to uh, not allow that part of you to live to its fullest. Uh, Basically, what are you doing to kill it? Um, And in transformation at different, and I've seen you personally go through some big transformations, and it's always so rewarding to see that in anyone. But we all have self-sabotage programs built in, and this is why, once again, it helps to have a community. It helps to have people that you can trust to go to and ask, hey, where am I fooling myself? That's one of my favorite questions to ask anytime I get around a wise person. Uh, That's the first question that I ask them. So would you be vulnerable enough, or do you have any idea of something that you may be aware of that you really need to shift and change and maybe you're continuing to procrastinate on it to not allow that transformation to happen. I feel that recently I had some blockages around that and I was kind of resisting a lot of transformation, but I would say in the last like three to four to five days, I really made great strides in practicing that and practicing acceptance around it. And so I think I I have just gone through a transformation. And so I don't know if that. Okay. No. So, so let me take it from there because the next important thing is I would ask you to be truly honest when you realized that you had uh, killed it or run over it. What would you say your very initial reaction was like were you neutral or were you more sad were you scared um uh how how would you describe that once once i saw it and i was kind of figuring out like what happened to it and i saw the cut and, and i kind of i was sad but there's like another word there like sad but maybe with a slight tinge of like disappointment that i allowed that to happen even though i mean it's it's hard for me to see in the grass and i definitely didn't mean to but i was sad that i had inflicted pain onto something 
important. Right, right. And, and I think that that's, you know, take that into that same view of that, yes, this, this may be a representation of something that's past, but there could be some remorse or sadness that maybe it took you as long as it did to make the transition or to step into that shedding of that skin of whatever that is. Um, or maybe someone did have to pay a cost for it. So, so that's an, another step, and that's kind of just how I break it down and just go deeper and deeper and deeper kind of into the message. That's an example. Cool. I, I appreciate that. Um, with it being uh, 7.30, I want to just take a couple-minute break for people to um, get up, get a drink, get something to eat. Yeah, so let's uh, just take about uh, three or four minutes and everybody take a break. Are you going to play us a little tune? Uh, or I ain't got any break? instruments in there. I think I'll just take a break on this one. Maybe I will on the next one Okay. if I can go find something. So we'll be back in a few. I guess I'll chill here since I'm not leaving and I guess I can talk to you guys while you're on break. Uh, so why people, while people are on break, uh, let's see here. I had a list of things to bring up. One being our Facebook page. If you guys haven't liked our Facebook page, it is facebook.com slash wise wise podcast. And I'm pretty sure anybody who's friends with me, I've invited everybody to, to like it. Some people, for some reason, I don't know, they didn't get alerted like way back when, when I invited them. So if you're friends with me and you don't like it, just check on that. Um, and if you do like it, either you need to like it or if you already like it and you want to get all of our posts and alerts when we uh, send out a new episode, make sure that you go to it and there's like a drop down and you hit follow and you choose to follow because for some reason, Facebook doesn't like to send out our posts. I, I would say only about 5% of people actually see it. So that's why I share it in our wise, wise community group on Facebook. And again, so now that I've transitioned into that, if anybody is not a member of that and uh, you would like to be part of our community where we're all, uh, there to share vulnerabilities, um, stuff that we're working on and get input and other experiences from other people. It's really, um, uh, a safe place to be vulnerable without judgment. And Alexander's all, also in there. So, um, he's sometimes free to answer questions, but we do share some, some, uh, frequency based memes and things like that. So it is, a little more fun than, than how it sounds. <laughs> um, it's not just people sharing sad stuff. Uh, we do have a little fun in it. Um, oh, and something that the last few episodes I've um, been trying to, to ask of you guys, if you've listened to the podcast and you've enjoyed it, the one thing that would help us out the most is if you could leave us a review on iTunes and a rating as well. Um, if you're not an iTunes member and you don't listen through iTunes, or if I guess if you don't have an iTunes account, then it's okay. Unless you want to go the extra mile to make one, 
but I believe you can do it online. I'm going to try to post the, if anybody out there doesn't know how to leave a review on a podcast on iTunes, I'm going to uh, make up some directions and post them to our social media. Uh, that would help us out tremendously because that's actually how iTunes ranks podcasts and on the charts. Um, they go by ratings and reviews over actual listens, I think. Like those have more weight on top. And we also have our patron account. If you guys are interested, we have behind the scenes video and I share images of my notebook. If anybody wants to read my horrible chicken scratch, I think um, there have been a few people who have commented on it saying that they do enjoy looking at all my notes. I don't know, but uh, I do share, I do share those on there uh, if anybody's interested. Um, and then you do get a shout out on a podcast episode and our, our gratitude forever. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, maybe everybody's gotten back from the break. Yes. And we have had a few other comments and I don't know if there are questions. And ver on various places. So let me just pull. I wanted to, while Aaron's pulling all that up, I wanted to thank everyone that showed up for the sound journey last night. And uh, Friday night, I was on a um, podcast with uh, three other hosts, and it was it was a really interesting and um, very well flowing uh, podcast. So please feel free to visit that on my Facebook page as well. Um, and we had a great sound journey last night. So thank everyone for your support. Okay. We have a comment from Sarah. Uh, I had a realization this week that I feel consistently disappointed in slash judgmental of myself for not measuring up to the wonder woman qualities that my mother played out during my upbringing. It mm. was good to see that because my mother and I are complete opposites uh, she says that she is uh, firstborn, more like her father, uh, and we operate very differently in the world. Uh, we have opposite strengths and weaknesses, so I now see the importance of giving myself credit for my strengths instead of focusing on shortcomings that just aren't in my nature. That's, a, that's an excellent point. Oh, man, excellent, excellent. So well said, um, because there is so much comparing, especially with women and their mother and when they have children, and it's so unfortunate because... Um, everybody's not cut out to be the same type of mother or the same type of parent. And many times the child is a much better parent than the parent was. So, you know, we do need to focus on those strengths um, and just work on the weaknesses, you know, use that parent for inspiration, but never to create uh, guilt or comparison. Um, and that's, I think, a, a nice way to kind of, you know, utilize the three R's here. You know, it's been recognized and it's been respected um, that she sees this comparison with her mom uh, and now just redirect it to be more of an inspiration rather than a comparison and letting down. And uh, that's what has worked for me in the past. Um, you know, uh, my father taught really want the only main thing he taught was work ethic and so anytime in my life to where i feel like i'm 
working too hard on something or I'm just working too much or anything like that, then I will use him. I'll bring him in and just remember how hard he worked like just every day. And I mean, that can help pull me through, but I'm not comparing myself to him. I'm using him as an inspiration. And, you know, that comment made uh, me bring something up inside myself. And this is something that I've been wanting to wait until we've done an actual podcast episode on judgment, but um, I'm going to feel free to bring it up now. Um, The longer that I've, or the more that I've grown and the more that I've practiced the self-development, I've obviously learned that it's not right to judge people. And being the perfectionist that I am, or, or post-perfectionist, as you've mm-hmm. helped me conquer some of these things, um, there's like this sort of thing that I've, I've taken all of that now, all of that judgment internally. So uh, like I've corrected that behavior. And, but it's almost like that energy that I would have used to judge other people has now I've brought it inside. And I, I now judge myself a lot harsher. And... So I wanted to get your take on that. And I don't know, you know, what you would say to that or how I could work, you know, further. So you're saying that now that you've worked on your judgment externally, uh, you seem to be judging yourself more. Yeah. Or Uh, or at least noticing it more now that, now that I'm so aware of it. That's what, that's the key is noticing it more because I happen to feel that we judge externally to the level that we judge internally. And as we do work on not judging either externally or internally, it helps the other one simultaneously. So, but when people are becoming doing this work, such as you've been doing it now for quite a while, we get more and more sensitive. We see uh, more and more of these so-called faults. And that's what I can hear many people talk about very often is they'll in our circles, they'll talk about how there's so many more people waking up. And what one has to consider is as you wake up more, you notice more people that are waking up. And that's becoming more of your attraction point and your tribe. It may or may not be that is truly more people so-called waking up because there's and we're not going to get into that in this uh, this call today, but um, you know, there's a certain balance or uh, that has to be maintained on this plane. So there is a possibility that there's always the same amount of consciousness and unconscious uh, all the time. We're just shifting into uh, different states of that. And and that's normally part of the, the direction that I come from. And so, so as your awareness does increase, it seems like uh, things are changing. So, so with that, you know, with your scenario where you feel like you're doing much better externally, you know, that's where now to – that you're noticing that maybe you're judging yourself more internally to – uh, talk to that little boy, Aaron, you know, and, and, and to be more of like a parent, uh, because once you get able to do something external, then that's when you can work on your inner child. 
and you worked on your inner child just like you would, oh, I just made a slight judgment on that person, let me correct that. And you can do it to yourself when we can separate ourselves from who we are and say that little child, uh, the little boy or little girl. And I like to point out that that's, that energy typically remains uh, in the second chakra, just around the navel or so. So many times when I'm talking to my little boy, I have my hand on my stomach, my right hand, the energy giving side, and I, I just rub it clockwise. And I have a conversation just like I was talking to one of my sons or uh, a stranger that I was working to help. Um, so I think that would be a really good place to start to continue that work. Yeah, what, what is happening inside of me is like I'm reprimanding myself because I know better mm -hmm. in a way. And so and yet part of that is the judgment, but also whenever I do something externally or, or I'm looking back at something that I've done and that I know better because I, I have the knowledge and I guess I could say, I guess you could say the wisdom because I'm getting it from somebody who has tried and it's worked, but I essentially don't have the wisdom yet because I haven't right. experienced. Now you have the information. The yeah. 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 You, you have the information, but the wisdom comes information plus experience equals wisdom. And so, you know, I th I'm so glad that you brought this up because I think this can be so useful to so many people um, because guilt is such a waste of energy. And one of the steps in the three R's and, uh, we have been working on a planner, and I've been working with Claire. Uh, she has been so helpful uh, with this planner, and we're going to be releasing it very, very soon, and we're even going to have multiple levels. So we're going to be uh, working together um, from like a booklet, and I think it's really going to help. Um, but before I got on to talking about the planner, bring me back around, uh, Aaron, to that point that I was on. Uh, <laughs> you were talking about how it was valuable for other people. And now I can't remember where you're going with that. Valuable and. Mm, I got it. Sometimes that little bird. Uh, well, no, you, were, you, were, you were talking about guilt and how it's a waste of energy. I don't know if that. Yeah. So, so when we're judging ourselves, so there's an observation stage that is very, very, very important. And most people, when they recognize something in themselves, they want to fix it or change it right away. And the reason that that fix or change doesn't last is because from my perspective, you haven't observed yourself doing it long enough. Because when we observe ourselves truly till a point to where we get to a neutral state of non-judgment of doing that action and going you know what i'm just truly tired of doing this action see i watched my dad quit smoking and this is what he did he smoked from the time he was nine years old and he was one of those that preached he would never ever quit and just one day it was actually valentine's day one year and he was probably in his um, late 50s, early 60s. And he just reached in his shirt pocket and laid his cigarettes over on the counter and said, I'm done with those. And he never tried to quit. He, he didn't make attempts. And it was just a decision. And it was the right time. And I think when people are able to follow through with a change like that, they have truly just gotten tired of observing themselves do it. So when I talk with somebody about like trying to quit smoking, but they're still smoking, so every time they take a puff, they're guilting themselves about it. 
You know, I like to say that if you're going to do it, enjoy doing it while you're doing it because it's 10 times as bad to beat yourself up while you're doing it. But observe yourself doing it. Ask the why, the when, the how, the where, all of those, like, why are you doing it? You're going, why do I actually do this? Well, I like watching the motion. I like the way it feels in my fingers. I like watching the smoke. And then as you answer these questions, think of something else that you enjoy equally that can replace it. And so um, somebody may say, well, this calms my nerves to smoke. Okay, where there happens to be a, a, a plenty of supplements out there. That can do something very similar. Uh, one that I like to suggest is one called Happy Camper. And so right away while you're doing that and you're realizing that you do it to relax, to put in your mind the idea of something that will replace that and maybe be even better. And then you go, and I won't smell like smoke. And I won't guilt myself every time that I do it. And so that may, you may do this for weeks, and so you, en, you enjoy something between your fingers, so you see that as something tactile. So you may need to get like a pencil for a little while to carry around, to put behind your ear, to grab, to just twirl a little bit. Once again, replacing the every part of what you're getting out of it. But first, we need to observe ourselves and ask the whys, the wheres, the whens, the how long. Ask those questions and then find the replacement. And this is what I have proven that helps people to break habits. So we have, uh, I guess we can transition. Um, although I do like, I do like mm -hmm. uh, how you do talk about that using the smoking thing. And I think we also did an episode way back when. When I was like, when I was trading cryptocurrency back then, <laughs> where I talked about how I would sit there, and whenever you know the the, the cryptocurrency would go down, I would just wouldn't hit sell, and I would just watch <laughs> myself, like from like a third party, and like right. I just wouldn't do it, and I was like, I had to sit with it and be like, why are you not selling? <laughs> yes, and uh, I don't know, it was funny too. Yes, and that's how you know most people are run by their subconscious there's a saying that we only use like 20 percent of our brain and that's a very incorrect statement it's just that 80 percent is being operated by basically the subconscious and there's only 20 percent that's available for the conscious but that is what raising your consciousness is about is changing that uh percentage and that's what all about being in the now and being in the present moment and being conscious is all about is that you're not allowing the subconscious patterns to dictate your life experience. And it's truly being the, the director or co-director of your life rather than being subject to all the people, the situations, the traumas, the, you know, all of the weight. And this is what's really got people weighed down. And that's a beauty of the time that we're in right now in this quarantine is it's just so invaluable, such a time that people can do this inner work and and have an excuse for it. And for many people, I know there are some people out there struggling financially, uh, but many people are getting you know uh, money given while they're off of work. So so whatever your situation is, you know, making the most of it and really finding a way to be about peace um, is is the, just the very first step. And there are a lot of people having the reaction to what's going on worldwide as they feel like their freedoms are being encroached on. 
But it sounds like to me that if you're not operating out of the conscious, then technically you're not even using your freedom. Right? No, no. I mean, uh, freedom is a, is, a, is a false sense of freedom that people fight for. And because true freedom is an inner, inner thing, and this is what you know, Gandhi represented so well. When he spent half his life in prison, but every time they would force him to sign some kind of piece of paper to about some law uh, for that he was representing tens of thousands of people, and he would refuse to sign it, they would say, well, if you don't sign it, we're going to take you to prison. And he would simply say, okay, well, let's go. I can meditate in prison as well as at home. And see, they had no power against him. We're going to take your free will away. And he goes, well, no, you can't do that because wherever I am, I can do what I do, which is be still, meditate, be still, meditate. <laughs> and, um, and so that was his ultimate freedom, and he proved that nobody could take it away, and he wound up freeing a whole nation of slavery, basically. Um, you know, and there's, there's personal aspects that people judge Gandhi and any human being on, and I don't care to get into that. It was uh, the teaching and what he represented and what he did for his people that, you know, I feel is really important. So we do have another question from a listener around trauma. How can I release my trauma from driving? I've loved during the quarantine not using my car at all, and it's been a great rest for my nervous system, which is usually activated into the fight or flight every time I drive because it triggers uh, or it's triggered from multiple life-changing car accidents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really big challenging one. And uh, many times time away like this is, is just the gift that's needed because to, to overcome an experience like that, a reoccurring experience, uh, you need time away for the for there to be some energy calibration recalibration um and then you know when it is uh the the quarantine or whatever is is let off to be able to you know lean back into it slowly would be ideal um so right now you know using intention to intentionally be in appreciation for that nervous system not to have to be activated so much but then to feel a need like maybe need to go to the store so maybe haven't gone out for a week or two weeks and you see a need to go to the store and so you once again you use your intention to go okay we're just going to ease back in but i'm just going for this one run and i get to come back and i get to be back in for days again so this is very similar to you know, you hear me talk over and over about consciousness and how developed consciousness is really revealed in how we raise children. So if a child had fa has fallen off of their bicycle and skinned their knee and they never want to get on the bike again, this is very similar to how we would coach that little girl to maybe, you know, is, is, uh, give her a break for a little while and then maybe do it supervised and then only for a little while, and then let her go do other stuff. And it's how we work with that inner child once again, because this um, this lady happens to be, you know, in my opinion, healing that inner child that's scared from those traumas. And so to let them know we're going to we're going to go be strong, and we're going to go make this journey. But then we get to take another time out. Uh, the rest of this quarantine can be a great time to train that and. 
it can give relief to the nervous system to know that it hasn't got to do it every day, day in, day out for a little while. And it helps to say it out loud. So I would suggest to um, to this lady to consider that, to talk to her inner, her inner child just like she maybe would, you know, a five or six or seven-year-old if they never wanted to ride their bicycle again. All right. And another question around what's happening now with the quarantine um, the emotion that's been coming up for this person is guilt that, um, the simple activities like getting coffee with a friend or going or teaching yoga, uh, that this person took for granted. And then that shifts into grief because we kind of have lost like the simpler time where we could just yeah. do the things that we want. Yeah. Well, uh, this is, I'm so glad that this got brought up because, this is once again falls under the three R's and it needs to be redirected and guilt is inspiration that is just waiting to blossom. And as long as it stays in guilt, it's of no use. It's actually very deteriorating. So, you know, when we recognize these would have, could have, or should have, uh, as soon as we see that, and this is what this person is caught in, is, oh, I wish I would have enjoyed this more, or I, I wish I would have been more appreciative of just getting be able to go get coffee with friends, that kind of thing, to turn it around to inspiration, to maybe even write poetry or, or start keeping a journal of, you know, as soon as the quarantine is lifted, these are the, this is starts a list of things that I want to do and people that I want to do them with. And see, it becomes kind of like a bucket list. And then every time the energy wants to go back to the past, you bring it back into the present and you plan for the future. And that's, that's taking guilt and shifting it to inspiration. It's respecting the guilt. See, it's recognize that it's there and say, hey, guilt, I see you. And yes, we're grieving because we can't just go out and do this. But this is what we're going to do. Uh, I really miss Sally today. And so I'm going to write down that I want to go hang out and eat chocolate and have a cup of coffee with Sally on the, uh, the first date that I can after quarantine. You know, and don't get into making plans at this point because we don't have any idea what the time frame of any of this stuff is. So, see, all of this is like we were, when we were kids. It's just that I want to do this someday. And, and most adults have lost the ability to do that. Just, I want to do this someday. Instead, they, they think of something they want to do and they're spoiled to want to go make, start making plans and start putting it into action. And this is all about the beauty of anticipation, of building energy. And this is what this time is affording everyone, is the time to build inspiration rather than just wallow in the guilt and the, um, and the loss, uh, the grief. And this is how we shift those emotions. It is by using the mind and choosing a different perception while respecting those so-called negative emotions that we want to get away from is welcome them in and then just redirect them in over here. So, so guilt, there you are. Okay, you're welcome to be here, but what we're going to do is we're going to shift this to inspiration. And you just merely, it's like touching the energy. You shift that uh, from guilt into inspiration by going and writing, starting to write things down that inspire that you want to do one day with somebody. 
Is there a point in that where we sit in our guilt and just feel it and like feel it deeply? Like, is that a good thing if we do that? If we like kind of wallow in it for like a day or two? Well, um, I mean, there's, there's multiple ways to approach that. Uh, sometimes people have great success with redirecting it as soon as it comes in. Sometimes people uh, feel like it can, it, I've experienced that it can expediate it when you do choose to just truly be in it and immerse yourself in it. But that is a little bit more trickier because you can get called into depression and that's what you, it should feel, if you allow yourself to be in it, you should feel completely different 24 hours later or you didn't truly give yourself to it. And once you allow that to happen two or three days is when it starts to slip into depression. So that's where that part can be very tricky. If you're going to give yourself to it and just be in it, and I'm all for that, but you should feel the energy shift in 24 hours or more than likely you didn't truly give yourself to it and uh, it's going to turn into something closer to depression. Okay, I think now is the time we can transition into forgiveness it's one of the major topics i wanted to discuss tonight uh how important is forgiveness for overall healing for an individual or you know healing themselves well i mean um it's it's imperative actually uh it's right there you know acceptance and forgiveness kind of walk hand in hand and, you know, I happen to feel that acceptance is the platform that all um, wellness and healing is based off of. And um, that forgiveness aspect is is no small deal. And to truly forgive is really a concept that I question whether people really take the time to understand the depth of, of forgiving and to where you can actually thank that person for what they brought you and when you feel like someone has done you wrong or treated you badly it's no small feat to get to the point to where you can truly earnestly thank them for playing that role for you because you understand why you're a better person for it now let me say that again forgiveness is truly done when you can hold that person in your vision and completely smile and thank them and give them gratitude for doing to you exactly what they did because you're a better person for it. And just about anything that anyone goes through, they can get to that point. Because remember, my teacher Sam taught me to pay attention to what everybody teaches you that doesn't work. If you can stay out of judgment, you can do this. And there's so many people teaching you what not to do rather than seeking out people to teach you just what to do. But staying out of judgment is key. So when I have any kind of view of the way that someone treated me so-called poorly in my past, I have this, this insatiable interest to get to the point of what did that lesson teach me. What did that person teach me? Either to do in response or not to do in response. And 
People are always teaching one or the other. If you're truly not stuck in judgment and you're just looking to learn from life, then every person in every interaction has something to teach you. All you have to do is stay out of judgment. So when we are working on that forgiveness, to truly work with it from that aspect of when you know that you have learned the lesson that that situation brought to you, there will be nothing but joy in that forgiveness and that appreciation. And you can tell you know, stories from that point on rather than the story being about this person did this to me and hurt my feelings, blah, blah, blah. You can tell the story of this is when I learned this lesson and I'm so grateful for the person that played that role. Uh, this is no small feat, but it is imperative uh, through this walk. And this is exactly the stuff that the whole philosophy supports. Yeah, I remember when I first made that stride and I had um, with some peers, some major like judgment cast on me and some miscommunications and it just snowballed. And we all met online like this and had a conversation and I chose to just own my part and, and then leave it at that and choose to forgive everybody, no matter why they did it or whatever. And the other person was just so taken back that you could see the relief just wash over them. Cause I think they felt like they were in the wrong. Uh, yeah. And they were probably on defense. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 And so like after doing that, you could tell all the energy changed and then we were just able to sit there as friends and discuss other topics. And after I got off that call, I felt like I had leveled up because it was like the first time that I owned the responsibility. I didn't blame and I saw how it all unfolded and it, I had an energy high. I mean, just like mm -hmm. you explained, I, it was so awesome that we could all just communicate on the same level consciously and we didn't need that negative energy to, to come in and like, cause I know like if that did and we were going to start blaming what happened and I would have felt disgusting after, you know, just having yes. all that just sit in me. Yes, yes. And that, I mean, that was a, a beautiful example in that, that is the beauty of conscious communication. Um, that, you know, when, rather than saying, I'm mad at you because of what you did, when you can say, oh, I see what I did to pull that into my field. I see what I brought, what baggage I brought or what trauma I brought in for you to play this role for me. See, that, that, is taking all the blame away and taking full it's one of the pillars emotional responsibility and accountability that if somebody is activating your emotions they are playing a role for you to heal something from your past the majority of the time very rarely is the situation in the present moment just dealing with that present moment it's normally if there's an emotional reaction, there's a reason that the emotional reaction is there because the emotion has been there uh, or it wouldn't be activated because like in like when there's a somebody that speaks a foreign language and somebody can come up just angrily uh, yelling, it doesn't affect somebody if they can't understand the words as much. Of course, they can understand the person's upset, but when you can't make out like what they're saying, you don't take it as personal. You're just like, whoa, it's, it's kind of like you're watching a kid throw a temper tantrum. And that's what emotions really are, except that we take the words personal because we have uh, an understanding or similar, similar understanding of the words. 
and typically we go into defense or resistance um, because we feel like we're being attacked. But if you don't understand the words, it really just looks like uh, a temper tantrum that's being thrown and you don't take it near as personal. Yeah, and I can even think of a few examples of experiences in my life where I've experienced something that I look back on now that is traumatic, but at the time I didn't have like an emotion that came up. I just like reacted, like acted to it, but it wasn't emotionally in a way. Mm -hmm. And then looking back on it, on it now, I can see where in those experiences where I've now taken on certain emotions that I felt afterward. Yes. Yes. Because many times like um, the emotional reaction isn't necessarily any outward thing. It's, it's something that's internal. And when we have certain emotional reactions, we don't realize it because it is a type of shock. It's a type of trauma. And so that's why a person may not remember in the moment necessarily how they truly felt about it because they were confused. And it can take sometimes weeks or even years um, to process or for something to happen to that maybe reminds you of that, that brings that back to your memory, and then you see it more clearly after some time has passed. So, you know, all this stuff is just so intriguing, and there's just there are patterns all around. And uh, when you can see the patterns, then you have an opportunity to redirect the patterns. Could you explain the steps of forgiving forgiveness if um, somebody has done something to you? Like, like if we bring back in the example from the podcast where you had the, the parent and the child and the child um, has now said that they had some trauma from the childhood, but they're, but they're an adult now mm-hmm. and the parent didn't know, like, like we discussed, didn't really know that, that, that they, that what they were doing was giving traumatic, giving, yeah, giving trauma. So, uh, how, you know, what steps does the child need to then take to offer forgiveness, um, to the parent or, or I guess both ways. Cause I, in a way, um, the parent needs, needs also to, um, I guess, ask for forgiveness in a way, right? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, right off the bat, it's the very first reaction of whether the parent truly shows remorse or surprise that that was the case or that they're very clear in what they did. You know, if there's if there's surprise and remorse like right away, then to me, you know, the healing is the door is wide open for that. If the person or the parent doesn't see that they've done anything wrong yet, then it's a little bit more challenging to start that process because you've got to be clear in what you're forgiving and why, uh, just like you got to be clear in who. So you are always got to know the whys, the wheres, the whens, the hows, and the how longs, the duration. And we talk about this throughout the, the, the philosophy in the podcast. So asking those questions is always very, very, you know, important and, so when I see somebody that truly didn't so-called mean to do what they did, then right away that, that welcomes the door in because I see that in their, their reaction, so to say. And then for me, that helps me to go, maybe I need to look at how I'm perceiving this. Uh, 
once again, this is a different step than if you know the person did it intentionally and they've uh, maybe even agreed that they did, but they're not showing any remorse. There's different steps depending on the variable. So I'm just going to stay kind of focused on this one variable to where there has been remorse shown. And then the daughter in this situation or the child uh, can slowly start to, um, you know, express themselves in small increments to that parent, not to hurt the parent, but to to express themselves. And when they see it start to bother or hurt the parent, to stop it or to try to stop before that point, because this is something that more than likely would take weeks, months, years to truly work out. So there's no rushing the forgiving process. There's no rushing it. It needs to be authentic, and it needs to be that whole chopping wood and carrying water. And say the daughter is, you know, 30 years old. Uh, the, in the natural, most holistic approaches, they suggest to take half as long as it did to create it to so-called fix it. So if it's been a certain way for 30 years, to have that outlook of it could take 15 years to completely heal this, but not to look at that as that's a long time because 15 years goes by very fast and this child will still only be 45 years old or so and the parent will still be fairly young as well. So we don't dictate the time, but uh, I think it helps for people not to have unrealistic expectations, uh, especially with relationships healing and with ourselves. Healing takes longer than most people truly want to accept that it takes and so the patience is a big part of that. And sometimes people just want to hear the words, I'm sorry. They don't, you know, they don't really, I mean, I, obviously they want them to mean it, but I, I just didn't see uh, sometimes in arguments where they're like, well, you didn't say you're sorry. You know? Right. And then, but I've never, uh, at the same time, I've never really seen anybody be satisfied with I'm sorry. It's just something in our culture that I feel like I deserve you to say I'm sorry, but it really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't resolve anything, certainly. And so rather than I'm sorry, I always like to hear the person just accept responsibility and then suggest an action that they're going to do to redirect that energy or that action. That shows me, that gives me inspiration. It gives me hope for change moving forward to where I'm sorry just typically from my experience means it's going to happen again and it's going to happen again and it's going to happen again. So I have another question um, around personal responsibility of emotions. Um, what if you take responsibility for your emotions in a situation or, or maybe um, in a relationship, but the other person doesn't? Hmm, beautiful. I, I, I feel like that kind of um, creates like some friction internally because you're like, you know, I'm doing my stuff, but, but you know, yes. but that person isn't and you can't really push it on them because they may not know how or, you know. So. Yeah, no, I love this. Uh, this is a very, very important um, aspect that – we teach by example rather than words. Once again, conscious communication is about 25% words and 75% energy transference. So the thing about when we are changing and it doesn't seem like our partner is changing or, uh, or showing appreciation for the change, and I have before in relationships had to set the example for 18 months, a year and a half 
being challenged almost every day, attempting to knock me back, because uh, my cha- my my what I took on as my challenge was I wasn't going to emotionally react anymore. And this was in my late twenties, and I told my my partner this at the time, and she said, "Well, you mean with everybody but me?" And I said, "No, that means with everybody." And so then she took it on herself to challenge me. Because if I would react, see, then she doesn't have to grow. Oh, see, and this happens all the time when people talk about the stuff they're going to do, but they don't actually go do it. It's called losing respect for somebody. So talk about what you're going to do a whole lot less and just do it and show it. And then when you talk about it, somebody might say, oh, you won't do that. And you can say, oh, really? Have you not noticed the change over the last three months? And see, you can catch them in not even seeing the changes, but you've already laid the groundwork for proving it. So, so that is a a very, you know, strong point that we have to teach by example. And everyone has a different like time frame and depending on the situation. But many people close to us, believe it or not, um, want us to fail in our changing because it gets them off the hook. And so I went through this very similar stuff with the relationships and and my family. But the thing is, is that if you stay on your path, the people around you have to shift and change or they are forced to leave. It's a law of physics. But you've got to be able to stand in your power and you're doing it for yourself. Remember that, people, that all of your change is for you. You don't change for somebody else, and you don't change to make deals of, I will change this about me if you'll change this about you. You know, all the change has to be authentically from yourself, for yourself, or it's not likely to sustain. So that's why that is self-fulfilling, that you're changing, you're seeing the benefits, and that if you stick with that, the person that you're with, they will either change or they will be forced, um, you know, more than likely friction will continue to build in their world. Remember, it doesn't have to be reciprocated in your world because if you have the view of polarity, then when somebody else shows friction, you can accept that about them. Oh, yeah, they're frictional because I'm changing and they don't want to change. And you don't have to take it personal. They can even try to get you upset and you can just remember that of they're just resisting this change. I just need to give them some space. So I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to stay in my change rather than trying to talk to that person that's already an emotional reaction that's trying to get you to react. See, standing in your power is knowing sometimes when to disconnect from somebody to go stay in your power and go for a walk or go to another room. So... It is through teaching, through example, the answer to that question. And uh, there's no way of knowing how long that takes. And I wanted to just pause and ask anybody who's been thinking about the three questions or the three, sta- I guess, I don't know if they're questions or statements or kind of both. Uh, if anybody wants to add uh, to the conversation, um, I guess any, any items of forgiveness that you've had come up tonight that you want us to to mention or or even if you are doing it on your own if you want to just mention that we'll give you a shout out and then um alexander wanted wanted to ask um if if there is one emotion that you're struggling with in quarantine and how are you coping with it and we did get into some of that already but if anybody else out there has 
any uh, topics among that that they want us to bring up or any, any questions in general. Um, I do have a couple more things to add to the conversation if we don't get any more questions and then we'll wrap it up. Um, <clears throat> but I did want to continue on the personal responsibility and add to that conversation the, the concept that you've talked about in past episodes, which, which is when you're uh, practicing personal responsibility of your emotions, you're essentially responsible for how you are communicating and how you're receiving. So it's kind of like a, a double, double whammy there. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, you are uh, taking responsibility for the coming and the going um, of the, the verbiage and this is where words are powerful and they carry no power simultaneously. As they're coming in, you do your best not to give them any power. They're just the this person's attempt in their state to give you information that they want to give you. But where they're at is a big determining factor of that, and you don't have anything to do with that. So that's why it's best to not take any of it personal, listening. But as you're talking... It's extremely important, the words and the phrasing and the energy that you use, because your words are like can be like gasoline or it can be like water. You can either be putting out the emotional fire or you can just be feeding it and just making it blaze. And this is once again about standing in your power, that as you are receiving, the information that you accept is being misinterpreted as it's coming in because this person is emotional. As I'm speaking to them, I want to speak in a way that is, first of all, respectful, because respect gets you a long way. And respect many times begins with, uh, I truly want to understand what you are attempting to share with me. And if there's anything that I can do to make you more comfortable while you are attempting to share this, please let me know. See, that's putting water on the fire. Or if you go in and you say, you're not going to talk to me like that. I'm not going to allow this, blah, blah, blah. See, that some people call that standing in your power or drawing a boundary. But you're throwing gasoline onto the emotional uh, fire, so to say. So that is, a, a, I guess, a fair representation of how you want to have your mindset is as things are coming in, remind yourself, as soon as a person is emotional, they are not being clear in the information that they're giving. It is tainted now. So let's not take it personal. And as I'm responding, I want to pay attention. Am I throwing water on the fire or am I throwing gasoline on the fire? Yeah, and I know I've had the perspective um, years ago that when I first started getting into this, that if I was managing um, how I was taking the information in from the other person, then they should do the same for me. And that's not always right. the case, right? No. Yeah, no. And that's, that's back to making deals. So anytime we find ourselves making deals with somebody or even the divine, uh, we want to hit pause really quick on that. Because, see, um, this is uh, similar to like giving love. True giving of love is just a giving. But most people give it only to want something back. And communication, conscious communication is the same way, is that you're looking to give it as consciously as you can, and you're looking to receive it as consciously as you can, but you don't have any determining factor on any time frames of anyone else out there. So this is why you're doing it for yourself. 
And most of the time when people fail at it is they're doing it and they're trying it and then they get frustrated because you're not trying, you're not doing it. Well, they may or may not have ever said that they were willing to do it. So, so see, the change and the, the challenges are there for us to have somewhere to practice. And the big secret or the big key is, is that when you stop expecting them to respond back, when you stop having that expectation, it almost always happens right away. Normally when it's not happening is because we're carrying frustration that we're not getting something we want. And so that's why uh, one of the biggest teachings in this work is to work to live in non-preference. So that when you're communicating, you're not defending anything or trying to prove anything. Because nobody likes that energy. As soon as they feel it, defense walls goes up. All right. Well, the last thing I have is... Um in the last episode, you mentioned you mentioned that uh, it takes years to build a relationship, but it can be demolished in literally moments. Yes. And I wanted you to uh, kind of speak to that. And because and, I know that you've also talked about in the past how with friends, we, we tend to any, you know, they could have done years and years of good deeds for us, brought, you know, picked us up from places when we were at our lo- worst moments. But you know, as soon as they do one thing that we disagree with, we can just cut them yeah, off. Cast them aside. Yeah. And our culture just uh, nurtures the so-called uh, negative aspects and puts so much more importance on that than the so-called positive aspects. And, and I've seen that happen so many times of, two friends or even a relationship that, you know, uh, have been through thousands of situations and then one obstacle come up to just completely tear those two people uh, apart. And I want everybody to think about that as you're working with forgiveness. Uh, That's another important thing. Rather than focusing on what they did to you to uh, cause the pain, to remember any and all of the so-called good things, to bring that vibration back in as you're forgiving. See, whether you ever like completely make up with them and get back together and be friends or whatever, it's re- that's really not important because what, what I'm talking about is the vibration that you're carrying about it. And when you think about that person or that situation, that that is either uh, charging your so-called energy field or it's weakening your energy field. So all of this uh, this verbiage is around wellness on all the five levels as we talk about so much, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual or religious. And so uh, so I think this has been you know another, another wonderful evening of uh, I've enjoyed the the topics that and questions that people have brought up and uh, of course the the questions that we started out with was really good so um so yes i'm so glad to have had this time with everybody and of course alexander you've um well you are ongoing with your sound journeys uh on a weekly basis do you know when your next one is going to be Yes, I do have one that I'm planning for this upcoming week. I just haven't decided on Thursday, uh, Friday, or Sunday. Um, So please stay tuned, and I will be listing the date uh, very soon, probably tomorrow. And um, and join us, and then we will be back on this uh, platform in two weeks from now, I suppose. Yes, and uh, hopefully, maybe I'll get some other light bulbs, and I won't be so yellow. <laughs> if anybody has thought that was weird, but I was yellow last last time too. 
You just um, look like you're in a sauna. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to close out, I did want to mention and reiterate um, the thing that could help us out the most if you want to support us, and that is leaving uh, a review and rating our podcast on iTunes. So if you do listen through iTunes and you have an iTunes account, uh, I think you need to be logged in, and you can do it through your app uh, by going to um, our wise wise podcast on itunes and and somewhere on the page depending on where you are and what you're using there will be a way to rate and leave a review um the more reviews and ratings we we earn uh the higher up on the charts we'll get and the more people will see us and listen um of course we have our facebook page if you guys just want to make sure that you're liked to that and follow if you want to get our updates and uh, of course our facebook group which is kind of like this just more in facebook with text so if you guys are interested in that, uh, if you go to our Facebook page, there's a link uh, that says community and you'll, you'll be able to uh, add yourself to that group. That's all I got. All right. Thank you everyone for taking time to um, be with us this evening and let's continue to grow together. Appreciate it, everybody. Thank you very much.